Good afternoon. Hope you guys are having a good week, an epic week. Hope you guys are getting through the challenges of your day. Getting through. No matter if it's whatever you have to do, no matter how much it hurts, you got through your day. Or is your day is just starting and you're just getting through one trial at a time. Taking it one day at a time. Alright, let's get into the news right now. First up, we got a border chief says Biden's policies are the reason for this uh, immigration crisis, this illegal immigration crisis. Let's get into it. Hall Talk Radio. Live in 4K. What capacity do you serve the Border Patrol now? I am the chief of the United States Border Patrol. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Objection. Yes. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that unprecedented numbers of aliens are illegally entering the United States right now? Objection. Yes. Are the individuals that are uh, turning themselves in, um, are they turning themselves in because they believe they're going to be Objection. I would imagine that they are turning themselves in because they think they're going to be released, yes. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the aliens who cite favorable immigration policy as a reason to come to the United States are perceiving what actually is happening in the United States? Objection. Yes. When President Biden was elected, did the number of aliens trying to illegally enter the United States increase or decrease? Objection. Increase. From your 31 years of experience, has the Border Patrol in a year ever had the number of encounters that it's going to have in 2022? Objection. No. Is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border uh, making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Objection. Yes. Since President Biden was elected, does this document indicate that aliens illegally entering the United States perceive that they will be able to enter and remain in the United States? Objection. Yes. Why is it important to detain and remove demographics that are amenable? to the Border Patrol? One, you want to make sure you have consequences. Okay. And if you don't have consequences, what is likely going to happen? Objection. In my experiences, we have, in my experience, we have seen increases uh, when there are no consequences. Okay. I think people should already know the fact of what happens when you have an overflow of illegal immigrants, especially when you don't know whether you don't know their history, you don't know if they've been tested for uh, diseases that could be spread. 
you don't know their criminal history. Um, that is how gangs come over here. Okay, uh, many of you know the horrors of the MS-13. Okay, I don't know if you have, but they've infested parts of Long Island, um, parts of LA, and they have done horrible things to people. I remember I was reading a story about how the MS-13, they took a, a woman who was in a wheelchair and slammed her on a park bench. And you know what happened to her after that. So if migrant populations believe that they're going, there are not going to be consequences, they will, more of them will come to the border. Is that what you're saying? Objection. There's an assumption that if migrant populations are told that uh, there's a potential that they may be released, that yes, you can't see increases. If you're not detaining and removing demographics that are amenable, and the, the flow will compound so it will increase at an exponential rate, is that what, what is being suggested here? Objection. Well, I do think it will increase, yeah. All right. So, hey, that's what has to be said. I mean, of course, people are going to get mad and um, say, how could you say that about illegal, about immigrants? You know, we're not talking about immigrants who come here legally. Hold on one second. I'm sorry about that. We are talking about the ones that come over here illegally. We're not talking about the ones who who come to this country and go through the proper channels and get their citizenship. And that's the one thing I never understood about the left. Or people who want to get emotional about this. Alright? You're all having hissy fits until these illegal immigrants come to your house, break into your home, harm your family. Okay. See, it's all good when that happens. You know, it's all good when uh, you know, it's not happening to you, and then you complain about it. It's kind of like the rich. All right, the rich, they uh, complain about they they don't they say, oh, why can't you have, you know, more uh, reasonable superways? Like, you know, don't don't have. Uh, gun don't have uh, guns, you know. Even though things are going out of control, just have gun control, all right. Until the criminals start spilling into rich neighborhoods and start robbing you and taking away your property. Now you want to hire armed security, okay? And that is that that's happening, okay? The rich people, the elite, they. Snub their nose at the common folk until it starts happening to them. Sad. But unfortunately, that's how it is. On to the next story. Right here.
7 News Alert. Deputies in Cherokee County are investigating after they say a man shot his neighbor while he was target having target practice in his backyard. 7 News Chloe Salsamita spoke with the victim's family. Investigators tell me Keisha Tate was shot and killed Saturday when a bullet came through her window while she was making dinner for her children. Cherokee County deputies were called to a home on Songbird Lane just after 6.30 Saturday night. That's where they say they found 42-year-old Keisha Tate. According to the coroner's office, she was struck and killed by a stray bullet when she was standing in her home. This is something you can't believe, you know. I mean, you in your home, you cooking dinner for your kids, and, you know, you expect to sit down and eat with them, and now something happening. One of Tate's family members tells 7 News her children were in the home when their mother was shot. And now the kids are crying for their mom, you know what I'm saying? They want their mom, but they, they're not going to ever see their mom again. According to investigators, Tate's neighbor, 30-year-old Nicholas Lucas, was shooting a gun in his backyard while he was target practicing. They believe one of those bullets killed Tate. Why would something happen to her this way? Lucas has been arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter and shooting under the influence. Tate's family member tells me she had been concerned about her neighbor firing a gun in his yard for months. In a statement, Sheriff Steve Mueller says, quote, This is a senseless death that could have been avoided had the gun owner been responsible or chosen a safer place to target practice. The sheriff's office says more charges could be filed in Cherokee County. All right. Let's go to the uh, what happened now. What was the end result of this? Because he wasn't target practicing. All right, the man was not target practicing at all. I don't believe that for a second. I really don't. Not for a second. This is the South. We all know how it goes down in the South. Just how it is. Job is to determine if the facts line up with what they're telling us. And in this case, very own, one of my captains come to me and says, Sheriff, the facts are not lining up with a ricochet book. That has happened. Yesterday, 
We walked through it, and it was pretty much a unanimous agreement based off the forensic information that we had that, that we would dismiss the involuntary manslaughter and we would be pursuing the murder charge, which was upgraded today, along with shooting into a dwelling. We didn't make the shooting into the dwelling charge initially uh, because if it was accidental, uh, then we didn't want to make that charge again prematurely. Uh, but as I told the family in the bond hearing, I want to thank the family. Uh, I met with several brothers and sisters yesterday. And when you have something like this in this community or any community, uh, especially with law enforcement relations across the country, uh, has been damaged based off some things that's happened across this nation. Um, I simply had to ask them, will you trust me and will you trust my investigators and let them do their time? And both of the sisters and brothers that were sitting with me, they said, Sheriff, we trust you and we want them to do their job. And that's what happened. Uh, not all the fodder and, and things that you hear on social media and people are talking about, and I shared this with the family, uh, they want to know the facts. Just come to law enforcement. We'll give them the facts. We're not going to try this case in the matter of public opinion out in our community. Those people are clueless. They have no idea what happened. None of them have any forensic background, but they'll get on the social media, and they are the best investigator you ever seen. But if they want to be a good investigator, we got applications here, and all my sheriffs and city chiefs around the state, they got applications too. But uh, I am super proud of my men and women who did their job, and they did it right. And I've told this to the family, and I almost say this to our community. When we do an investigation, it's not about race. We don't care what color the suspect is, the victim is. Our job is to take the facts and determine who violated the law, irregardless of the color of anyone. And this is a, a great case where our guys and girls did a tremendous job. And Keisha's not here to speak, but the forensic spoke for her. The forensic spoke for Keisha today and got us where we could get the, the, the warrant for murder. And we hope and pray that the forensics and the work of our investigators will continue to speak for Keisha as we, this case moves along in the judicial process. And ultimately that we get a conviction whenever that time comes. And so again, to the family, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. And sometimes I can't even tell families everything, okay? Uh, I knew this yesterday, but I can't tell the media early and I didn't want to tell the media before I told the family. So that's why we told the family first today at 2.30. We sent the press release out during the bond hearing so the media would know. And uh, again, family, thank you. Our entire community needs to continue to lift this family up. We got nine children that lost their mother. As, as a father, as a sheriff, that hurts. This community needs to rally together and support this family and those kids. Keisha's not here to do that. And they're going to need help. I, I I just think the fact of the matter is uh, the right man was chosen for the job. It's fortunate. I say it's fortunate because this is South Carolina. All right. South Carolina. This is the South. And you know what's the, the KKK is strong in the South. Racism is alive and well. It ain't dead. If it was, you wouldn't still have sundown towns. Okay. Gaffney, South Carolina, the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office said a man is facing new charges after a deadly shooting incident. Deputies responded to the Sombury Lane around 6.30 p.m. Saturday. Once a scene, 
Uh, scene deputies found a woman who was unresponsive with gunshot wounds. The Cherokee County coroner pronounced the victim 42-year-old Keisha Lewin Lucille Tate dead at the scene. Tate's family told the coroner that she was in the kitchen of her home when she heard multiple gunshots. She was reportedly looking out her window when a bullet came through it and struck her in the chest. The sheriff's, county off, the sheriff's office said deputies investigated the scene throughout the night. They later detained a person of interest and booked him into the detention center around 2.53 a.m. this morning. Nicholas Schuyler Lucas, 30, was initially charged with involuntary manslaughter and shooting under the influence after he, he told deputies the bullet ricocheted during target practice. On Tuesday, deputies upgraded the manslaughter charge to murder and also charged Lucas with discharging a weapon into a dwelling. Deputies said they determined the bullet was not a ricochet. The only way the victim could have been struck was for the shooter to turn and initially fire in that direction, the sheriff's office said in a release. Lucas was denied bond during a hearing on Tuesday afternoon. It's crazy, man. But I'm glad this she's getting justice. Alright, on to the next story right now. Nine kids. Nine. That hurts, man. He's right. It does hurt. It does hurt. Here we got a story of a rookie football player. Another victim. Alright. Of violence. Sad. Only here. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. Here we go. Another violent weekend in the district, and this time it involves a Washington commander's rookie who was shot in Northeast yesterday afternoon. And TMZ Sports with the video you're looking at showing 23-year-old running back Brian Robinson Jr. on the ground after being shot in the leg. Fox 5, Stephanie Ramirez is on 8th Street tonight in Northeast with those details, Steph. Hey, D.C. Police Chief Robert Conte gave some new details today saying that uh, Brian Robinson Jr. did fight back, uh, that he was able to wrestle a gun out of one of the two suspects out of the hands there. Now, we got to hear from some of the players' colleagues today, some commanders opening up about the shooting after practice. Here's a quarterback, Carson Wentz, and wide receiver Terry McLaurin. It's a wake-up call to everybody, just like, you know, this is... There's real life problems out there in this world, but um, thankfully Brian's Brian's doing well. I'm told, and look forward to seeing him. And the first thing you were thinking is like, is he okay? You know, B Rob has been somebody who's come in here and uh, been a he's fit in right away. Just the way he his personality is infectious. The way he comes around here and excited to come to work. Head coach Ron Rivera says his 23-year-old player went to H Street Northeast to grab a bite to eat. 
Police said Brian Robinson Jr. was approached by two armed suspects at around 6 in the evening yesterday. He did wrestle a gun away before he was shot twice. The two suspects then hopped in a stolen vehicle that police later recovered in Prince George's County. D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti saying police are working hard to curb gun violence. Also noted today that the two suspects in this case are believed to be 15 to 17 years old. We heard a lot of reaction today from those uh, upset that this talented rookie player won't get to start September 11th to the mayor calling this a wanton use of a firearm. We're also hearing from those in the 8th Street Northeast community here. It's hard to think that they're safe. So that, that would be my reaction to everything. And I grew up in D.C. and I know the area. It's not on the mayor, it's not on the uh, police department. It's on families, it's on us. We are the only people who can resolve these issues. We know who the criminals are. You heard what he said? We know who the criminals are. I remember a story about a woman, uh, Destiny, I forgot her last name, but she owned a beauty supply shop, right, in Maryland, okay, Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, she was killed in front of her one-year-old daughter when they had a little... Uh, Memorial in front of her business The mother said You all know who killed my daughter Please help me You all know who did it They know They know The black community knows The low income black community Head coach Ron Rivera expressed anger, saying gun safety needs to be a bipartisan priority. You should be seeing there on your screen a post from Instagram showing the Basilica of the National Shrine. Robinson Jr. himself shared that image from MedStar Washington Hospital, saying this afternoon, surgery went well, thanks for the prayers, and God is great. He told police he was shot in the leg. Police also say his car keys were stolen, guys. A Glock was recovered from the scene here. Back to you. All right, Steph, and we put up this question on our Fox 5 Live. Insane, man. Insane. Insane. But people need to start arming themselves, man. They need to, because... Cops are not going to be able to handle all this crime. There's so much shortages. So much shortages now in manpower. Okay, and very few people want to be cops because they don't want to deal with the... Uh, they don't want to deal with the... Um, the, the stress... A lot of people don't want to deal with being a cop. They don't. They don't want to put up with the nonsense. They don't want to put up with, you know, the uh, all black, you know, Black Lives Matter. They don't want to put up with the wokeness. A lot of people are quitting. Okay. Let's get into this story. This story is just sick. People got to be careful who they... Let's just get into it. Iowa man is in jail, accused of first-degree murder more than a year after a human skull was found in a park. The Mitchell County Sheriff says Nathan Gilmore murdered Angela Bradbury in April of 2021. In July of 2021, deputies say someone found the skull 
placed on a stick in a park in Cerro Gordo County. Last Friday, deputies interviewed Gilmore and executed a search warrant at his home. The sheriff's office says they found evidence in his living room and in his GPS history that Gilmore committed the murder. Mitchell, Iowa, a man in Iowa is facing charges of connection to the disappearance of, and death of a woman he just met, police say. According to authorities, Nathan Gilmore, 22, only 22 years old, recently told police he met up with Angela Bradbury on April 6, 2021, the last day she was seen alive. He claimed he dropped her off in, Mad in Mason City, but police said his story changed upon further questioning. Bradbury's family reported her as a missing person on February 2nd, 2022, and say they had not had contact with her since April of 2021. The fam her family gave DNA samples and dental records for Bradbury to law enforcement as part of the investigation. Authorities said a teenager found a human skull placed on a stick at the Greenbelt River Trail Park on July 12, 2021. Examiners confirmed the skull found belonged to Bradbury. Investigators found more of her remains at the park in April of 2022. Police said GPS tracking and other evidence showed Gilmore was at the park the day the skull was found. They also found a whiteboard in Gilmore's living room with GPS coordinates of Bradbury's skull was found. He was charged with first-degree murder. feel bad for that family, man. I really do. People have to be careful who they're hooking up with, man. Alright? It, 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 look, hookup culture is dead. You got too many psychos out here. Too many psychos. It's not worth it. It really isn't. Now we have a case of just being a simp, being too thirsty, cost him his job. Let's get into it. Five, a Delaware County EMT worker is accused of assaulting a woman while she was being transported in an ambulance. She says she woke up to him taking pictures of her exposed chest. Monday night, the big story on Action News is an alleged invasion of privacy during a medical emergency. The suspect worked for the Brookhaven Fire Company, but officials say he's also been employed in other communities and fears there are more victims out there. Action News reporter Jillian Milley is live in Brookhaven tonight with the details. Jillian. And we are told that that person is no longer employed by the Brookhaven Fire Department. And both the fire department and the police departments here in Brookhaven are really rattled and shaken by this disturbing incident. These acts betrayed the trust of not only the community we serve, but each and every member of this fire department and our police department. It started here at MedExpress on Edgemont Avenue in Brookhaven on Thursday. A woman was experiencing chest pain. She was dizzy and fatigued. She needed to be transported by ambulance to a local hospital. So police say employees here called 911. During the transport, it is alleged that an EMT caring for the victim in the back of the ambulance exposed the victim's breasts and took photographs of her while she was in a semi-conscious state. According to police, that EMT is 24-year-old Kevin Hakeem Presley from Philadelphia. Police say he was employed by the Brookhaven Fire Department. 
I think I really do think it's uh, pornography addiction that is turning men into pre- perverts and weirdos. People want to minimize pornography. They want to say it's not that bad. But I really do think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. During this uh, the 2019 to now, you know, due to the mandates, a lot of people had to be in place. So porn, porn watching went through the roof. Okay. And porn, if you do research, it affects the brain in a really negative way. Changes your view of the opposite sex. This damages both men and women. And sometimes it could lead to men being serial killers and women being pedos. You know, you could do research on it. And this is why you have these things going on, going down. Okay. Um, the man of stream wants to talk about how, you know, the modern woman, the modern men is weakened by pornography and it changes your outlook on women in a very toxic and negative way. And it can affect your job like it did with this individual. Since January and was taken into custody on Saturday, charged with indecent assault and invasion of privacy. All the checks and balances you do and, and the, the background checks and all that, it's all in place for a reason. But that's not to say that something or someone can't slip through the cracks. Um, and, and I believe that's what happened in this case. I mean, there were no red flags that I'm aware of. According to the criminal complaint, when investigators asked Presley if they can search his phone for the alleged photos, Presley made a series of disturbing statements, including being involved with illegal firearms purchases. And we all know what the gun violence in, in this country, um, let alone in our backyard in Philadelphia, um, it's concerning. Um, so I can tell you, I can, I can promise you that it's going to be looked into um, and we're going to go down every, every alley we have to. Now, a number of things to note here. ATF says Presley has not been under investigation by them in Philadelphia in the past. I also, in the last few minutes, heard back from the Attorney General's office, who says there are no open cases involving Presley at this point. I reached out to Presley's attorney by phone, who says he has no comment right now. Meantime, police say if there are any other potential victims, they want to hear from you. They want you to call police immediately. He will never work a good job again. I mean, he'll probably work a job, but he probably will be he'll be working minimum wage, crappy work. Because I think I think they they could label you as a sex offender, because that is sexual assault. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into this one. I've seen this a lot in New York City. You know, with the banks, and now they're not tolerating it anymore. Okay. Around the city, some banks are responding to the homeless crisis by locking their doors. It is starting to make it a whole lot harder for New Yorkers to access ATMs. Reggie has more from Midtown Reagan. I know we're talking about middle of the night, kind of trying to get into an ATM, but you know you might feel a bit unsafe at that time as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Even late at night, maybe you worked late or early in the morning when, you know, you kind of like have an early morning shift and you need to get some cash before your day starts. But now some banks are taking matters into their own hands after they find homeless people kind of creating a makeshift shelter in the ATM vestibule. I'm stepping out of the way so you can see this is City National Bank. This is one of the bank branches that, you know, locked the doors into the ATM and limiting people's access to the ATM. Now, according to the New York Post, bank branches and bank branch employees are saying that the ATM lobbies have become a sort of a shelter for homeless who sleep in the space and sometimes use that space as a toilet. An ATM technician telling the Post that some banks, including Bank of America branches, periodically shut their ATM lobbies overnight, as does citizens due to safety issues. Now, we turn to some morning commuters to get their input on the matter. This is what they have to say. Security I think that's a good idea. Um, you know, people have to feel safe going to the ATM. Um, you know, if they're taking out money, they need to be secure. So I, I encourage it. Yeah. Have I agree you seen with it? it. Uh, no, I haven't. I don't go into the city too much anymore. So, uh, but when I am here, I have noticed it. What's your feeling when you see it? It's a shame. I didn't see it pre-COVID. So, it, you know, it's a downturn for the city, unfortunately. This is a tough one because on the one hand, you know, I really feel for the homeless people. Out here in the cold, and it's concrete, and it's you know they, they don't have a shelter in many cases. So I can understand why they go in there. On the other hand, it's a private company, and they need to deal with their customers and give customer service. And people don't want to go into banks with you know having smell and having feces and urine and all that stuff. It's just a very uncomfortable situation. And other banks hired security guards to sit inside the vestibules. And a community representative tells the Post some homeless people have bank cards and even let themselves in. So it is an issue. And if you have to go to the ATM and you find that it's locked, you can assume, safe to assume that by daybreak you'll be allowed back in. Again, these are for... I used to see this a lot in Jamaica Avenue and see this a lot in Times Square. Okay. And it's 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 not it's you know, I'm not the type to be like snarl at them and look down at them because that could be anybody. That can be anyone. I don't care if you have a bachelor's degree. You know, all it takes is the right situation in our current uh day and age. That's all it takes. All right. That's all it takes. And it's a really scary situation to be in. And you see it happen right before your eyes at times. Because I have looked at, you know, uh, I've been down Times Square. The part where you go to the LIR, you know, going, you know. Going past Times Square, going to 34th Street Penn Station, and that place used to be um, a live, vibrant strip mall, strip malls. Okay, and now it's just condemned empty spaces, boarded up, and the only thing there is the subway and the LIR. That's it. I'm surprised McDonald's is still there. All it takes is just one bad situation. 
okay? That's all it takes. Alright, on to this story right here. Allegedly, Sergeant Shana Kendall, a 13-year veteran of the New Haven Police Department, didn't follow procedure. And then when she was interviewed, according to the IA report, she lied about it. So last night, the Board of Police Commissioners fired her on the recommendation of the chief. New Haven's police chief Carl Jacobson says the department must be one that does not undermine the public's trust, which he contends Sergeant Shana Kendall did last year. We had a complainant here that was mistreated, that was stopped, that um, the officer never identified herself, um, and then the, the subsequent event investigation led to some inaccuracies and untruthfulness. The incident in question occurred in July of 2021 during a traffic stop after the complainant beeped her horn at Kendall, who failed to go when the light turned green. Then the complainant alleges she was berated by Kendall. There was no documentation, no body camera. No documentation, and Kendall didn't activate her body cam, according to the chief, who also said she lied to internal affairs investigators the investigation was thorough um the officers took their time they also gave sergeant kendall a follow-up interview to clear some things up to which nothing was cleared up meaning kendall stuck by her original story the police union says they will appeal because of serious due process concerns and that the claims of kendall being untruthful were weak untruthfulness is untruthfulness um i believe that if you look at Sergeant Kendall's past history with this police department, there were some bright spots, but there were some also red flags. A New Haven Civilian Review Board recommended severe discipline for Kendall up to and potentially including termination. It's my job to hold the officers accountable, and it's my job to show the community that we're going to hold the officers accountable. Um, my message to the officers is put your body cameras on. And if you have your body cameras on, the whole point of them is to, you know, make sure that there are no cloudy pictures of he said, she said, which wasn't the case here. By the way, the chief said it appears this was a case of road rage on Kendall's part. We're live here in New Haven. Well, yeah, I understand something. Okay. A lot of people want to go on power trips as cops. Also, black cops are hold to a different standard than white cops. So you have to be on your P's and Q's. All right? You can't afford to be a crooked cop. Okay? That's just how it is. You cannot afford to be a crooked cop. Because they will have no problem... Making you the fall person, the sacrificial lamb, or just dumping you on the spot. Okay, and that's that. She had to. She was supposed to keep her body to turn on her body camera. That's her witness. That's to save herself from scrutiny or lies. And she's gonna have to deal whatever comes down the pipe. All right. 
Uh, here's what we have here. Yep, the Democrats just, you know, never, ever, ever don't stop. They are willing to bleed this country dry. Democrats are demanding an extra $50 million for food for illegal immigrants. Hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. Yet, we have people here. Our own citizens are starving. Like I said, man, it's by design. Especially by design. All right. While millions go hungry, Democrats demand millions in food handouts for illegal aliens. The number one priority of the House Democrats right now has nothing to do with helping struggling Americans make ends meet amid ongoing food shortage, supply chain issues and shortages. No, the left is instead honed in on to trying to create a more handouts for illegal aliens. House Resolution 87 to, uh, 8725, sponsored by Republic, uh, Representative Eleanor Norton, Democrat of D.C., would add another $50 million in food programs for illegal immigrants. And this is on top of the $150 million that has already been established by Congress as a lifeline for border invaders. On August 16th, H.R. 8725 was referred to the Committee on Appropriations which will decide whether or not to move forward with providing supplemental appropriations for the emergency food and shelter program to provide humanitarian relief for migrants and for other purposes to quote the bill itself. This is appropriated out of any amounts in the Treasury not otherwise appropriated. $50 million to remain available until extended for the Federal Emergency Management Agency Federal Assistance Account. The bill further reads, <clears throat> Remember Joe Biden told ICE to stop deporting illegal alien sex offenders in the event that agents from the Department of Homeland Security DHS encounter illegal aliens in need HR 8725 would basically provide a blank check up to the allotted amount for buying them food clothes and other wares already for operations throughout 2022 the emergency food and shelter program EFSP has received some 280 million in funding from American taxpayers taxpayers of this more than half 150 million is earmarked for migrant families leaving only 130 million for American citizens if this doesn't breed racism I don't know what does in other words Congress cares way more about the plight of illegal aliens who do not even belong here than it does for American families that pay salaries pay the salaries of Congress are you upset yet these growing cash reserves for illegal aliens could explain why illegal immigration has skyrocketed ever since Biden started occupying the White House. The southern border has never been more of a free-for-all than since the beginning of 2021, it turns out. In addition to receiving taxpayer-funded health care and free flights across the country, border invaders could now have access to additional $50 million in slush fund cash to buy things like baby formula, which the Biden regime redirected to the southern border amid ongoing shortage crisis. America's food banks, meanwhile, are seeing a massive increase in demands as American citizens struggle to put food on the table and find no relief from Congress, which is too busy providing aid to illegals. What do you expect from a criminal illegal pedo president? Wrote the commentator <clears throat> about Biden and his people. Kudos to those states that have rightly said no to Biden's reign of terror. 
On such one such state is Texas, where Governor Greg Abbott invoked invasion powers to help deal with the state's illegal alien onslaught. I would like I will I like what he is doing, but as soon as the border patrol and police leave, the illegals walk say twenty feet up the river and cross back over again, noted another commenter. What is being done about this problem? The invaders actually have to be deported, not just returned to a port of entry at an international bridge. Wrote another. That's not going to do the trick. Abbott is preening for those re-election votes. Added someone else. He's been governor for over seven years, and this invasion was going on before he took office. He hasn't acted on it because all the federal money he receives. Just another political sellout hack. A lot of things are uh, happening, and people are going to have to start stocking up on food because people are going to start rioting. People are going to start killing each other for jobs and for for food. And I live in I, I live in New York. And just thinking about when I go through New York City, I think about, you know, I think about the boroughs, I think about Staten Island. Staten Island is an island. And I think about that when chaos really hits, what people will do for food. Especially those single mothers and those projects in the Bronx and Brooklyn. What will they do for food? What will they allow to their children in order to get food? What will they do to get food? How men will duke it out just to get a job? You already see it in California how the there's issues with Hispanics being racist to blacks. It's really going to be war. War to get food. It's going to get tribal. It's getting ugly out here. And a lot of people are not prepared. A lot of people are just in the clouds and not preparing for what's going to happen. That's the issue here. It's going to be night of the living dead. It's going to be like a purge. And a lot of people are not ready. They're not ready. They're on here. You know. Trying to just do be dating coaches and not, you know, look, that's your thing, man. That's your thing. But I want to know, you know, are these people stocking up? Uh, yo, what's your pandemic game? <laughs> Do you have a pandemic game? Okay. Passport game isn't really going to matter, man. Okay. Because those people over there that you go over there to uh, sleep with, those women, they may get even more vicious. 
Because look, I'm not saying all the people who go, all the men who use their passports to go over to other countries are just there to just get easy sex. But what I am going to say is that those people who are, those men who are doing it, okay, this global recession is hidden everywhere. And don't be surprised if you hear about these men turning up missing, being stripped bare for resources. Women are going to be the most dangerous of the species when it comes to feeding their families and feeding their kids. It's going to get very ugly worldwide. Okay. So these places where, you know, you have these type of men who are just taking advantage of the women, things are good. They're going to get hip to the game. And you guys and you guys are gonna get got hard. That's what's gonna happen. Alright. Here's another story that's happening right now. We're going to have to learn to grow our own food, man. We're going to have to start buying seeds. It's, 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 you know. Yeah, it's hitting hard already. It's hitting hard already. But a lot of people aren't, you know, realizing it. You know, the energy crisis in Europe. A lot of people, brought, you know, one of these European nations brought it on themselves. But I really do think they, you know, they're just falling in line. To do the to the bidding, to bring about this uh, new world order, yeah, go 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 uh, sanction, or go you know go against a leader that's basically sitting on black gold that you all need resources for resources for him. Okay, yeah, that's a smart idea. And then he shuts off your gas and has you in this type of uh, where you're feeling the pinch. All right, let's get into this one right here. This is the scene out there on West Olympic. This is where firefighters say there has been a fire at a poultry processing plant. You can see uh, firefighters pretty much trying to surround and drown this building right now, Ross. Yeah, firefighters haven't been on scene that long, and this is always the first attempt just to get the fire under mm -hmm. control. They've One second. One, one second. Okay. This is the scene out there on West Olympic. This is where firefighters say there has been a fire at a poultry processing plant. You can see 
uh, firefighters pretty much trying to surround and round this building right now, Russ. Yeah, firefighters haven't been on scene that long, and this is always the first attempt just to get the fire under mm -hmm. control. What did I say, man? What, what, what did I say? What did I say? They're really trying to get, you know, we're gonna, trying to starve us. That's it. I totally agree. Europeans did that to themselves. Yeah. And the fact that you side with Ukraine, a Nazi nation, that tells me everything I need to know about the countries that sided with Ukraine. Okay. That tells me everything I need to know about you. But as I was talking about people are becoming, you know, predators. Okay. Here's another story. All right. Nightmare NYC roommate being evicted from West Village apartment complex three years after moving in and terrorizing her landlord <clears throat> by running up more than 72000 in back rent. That is insane. Okay. And they got squatter rights. They have squatter rights. It's hell. That's what you got. You got to be careful. You cannot... You don't you don't let your no no roommates all right no no roommates especially these times people are looking are looking to be a parasite on others just to survive okay a squatter who refused to move out of a West Village apartment for two years has finally been kicked out after a judge ordered her to be removed Marshall from New York City came to the door of Heidi Russell's West Village apartment to physically make us make squatter Kate Glasson 46 leave the place. She had called home for more than three years. Photographers were on hand to capture the scene as Russell allowed authorities inside her Borough Street home while Gladstone appeared to be out. Hours later, she was forced out as a locksmith arrived to change the locks and a marshal helped carry a car full of Gladstone's belongings. Okay. Small group of people gathered outside the pad to watch the antics for themselves. Gladstone is accused of running up 72000 in rent arrears and terrorizing the woman who rented it to her. During the commotion, she popped her head out of a side window to see what she might be facing. Russell said the grifter had made, a life, made her life unbearable. She moved into the apartment during the June 2019 with her daughter and a dog. Russell's mom then fell ill shortly after, and she asked Gladstone to move out so she could live with her ailing parent. Gladstone refused. The shameless squatter just paid one month's rent of 2000 before claiming hardship in a bid to delay any attempt to evict her. She had a further stroke of luck when the pandemic in March 2020 triggered a state monitorium on evictions, making it impossible for, to evict tenants. But Russell's ordeal, which even saw her pace the streets to avoid running into Gladstone in her rented apartment, finally came to an end after the rule was lifted earlier this month. Gladstone has vowed to appeal the ruling, but her chances of moving back into Russell's apartment appear slim. She covered her face and refused to comment when confronted when confronted and was photographed while being booted out. Okay. 
I remember a story about a man who basically he kidnapped two tenants and it was in the wintertime and threw them into a graveyard. Okay, and then drove off. This is how fed up landlords are because people are not, landlords are fighting back. It's going to be war. And this is, this, this is war. War for people to find shelter. War for people to find food. War to find someone who's going to be a victim, a sucker that they could live off like a parasite. It is war. It's a civil war out here. The haves and the have-nots. The only difference is you haven't seen every people come up with guns and wanting to kill each other for food and shelter yet. Yet. Alright. But it's coming. It is coming. Because sooner or later it's going to get that way. Especially when it comes to the winter time. When people are cold and hungry and looking for shelter. It's going to get crazy. Okay. It's going to get real. And I don't I don't I don't, I don't know how it's going to be, but it's going to be extremely ugly. And I'm starting to think like, well, you know, maybe Biden was right. You know, it's a dark winter coming. Maybe Kevin Samuels was right. Maybe Kevin Samuels was right. Winter is coming. Okay. Because the government isn't, you know, isn't always going to hold out for these single mothers. These families that don't want to work. I said families. Men and women who don't want to work. Okay. Maybe Kevin Samuels is right. I mean, people have said that these 304s are winning. Are they? They got to be using their body to be with men that they really don't want to be with for money. How much of a psychological toll is that going to have on somebody? I mean, when cash no longer has its value, when the American dollar finally drops, how much can you barter with that? That's what I want to know. Plus, we have this scare of a nuclear attack coming. I mean, how many of you remember that? How many of you remember about that nuclear attack when they had a commercial about a uh, a, bom- a nuclear war? 
what to do? How many people are actually preparing for that? How many people know what to do? What 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 to take in 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 case of a nuclear fallout? Okay? I just want to know how many people know what to do. I know. How how do you uh keep yourself from uh from being from dying? Just want to know. Just wonder, man. That's what I want to know. Because the people that you're your friends, your neighbors, they're not going to look for you as uh, as friends for help. They're going to look to try and rob you. Okay? I'll give you a little tip. You better act like you're broke. You better. Because as soon as people see that you have something, they're coming for you. That's a fact. I'm not joking. You better dim those lights when it's nighttime. You better not have your electronics on. You better not be playing video games. Because if they don't have electricity and you do, you're in trouble. Those are not your friends anymore. Maybe you could help those in need. Maybe. And hopefully they could help you. Let's check out this story. Grown adults and you fighting on a plane. You're pilots. You know. You could break something in that compartment and everybody's going down. Everybody's going down. That's some some you know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta walk away. Or wait 
or just ask to be transferred. It's not worth it, especially in life and death situations. Okay, where it's pretty easy for to make the wrong mistake and both of y'all are going to pay for it. Due to your pride and ego, thousands of miles in the air. Europe again, how do I deal, even deal with living here? Stock up on food, plan, that's all. That's it, stock up on food and plan. That's all it is, you don't have to be... Look, I, I'm not trying to, t t to have people lose their mind. Just stock up on food, plan. That's it, just plan. That's all you could do. Okay, whatever the mainstream media tells you not to do, like don't panic, don't panic, Bob. Panic, Bob, all right? Buy what you can. Okay One thing at a time Do it small You know Do what you have to do To be safe That's all Invest in learning how to prep Invest Just That's it Check out this story right here Meanwhile, my city's turning into, like, the background of Streets of Rage 4, or Final Fight. Let's get into it. A young woman's account of being attacked on the subway is going viral. Luckily, she wasn't seriously hurt, but her story resonating. So many. This native New Yorker says things are changing in the city, and not for the better. She spoke tonight with Eyewitness News reporter Lucy Yang. I was looking down, and the next thing I know, I heard a slap. That was last Friday afternoon. When I look up, everybody's staring at me. I look at my cousin, and she's crying. And that's when it sunk in, like, this man just hit me. 22-year-old Vesley Bayado and her 15-year-old cousin were on the number one uptown train heading home to Inwood. As it pulled into the West 66th Street subway station by Lincoln Center, a man slapped her hard in the face, then ran off. Having to, like, clean up my blood on the train is not something that we had on our agenda. Leslie was wearing glasses, which cut into the bridge of her nose. She's hoping it does not leave a permanent scar. The victim posted about her frightening incident on TikTok. And then I start crying, and I'm like, did I do anything to deserve this? The video struck a chord with New Yorkers. More than 8,000 comments, many of them from women, describing how they, too, have been pushed, slashed, punched attacked. So far this year, there have been 1,488 reported crimes on the subways, compared with this time last year, 998. That's a jump of 490 incidents. Now, Vesley joins the grim statistic. It's shocking. It's, it's shocking because I never thought that it would happen to me. I feel myself changed after this situation. Vesley, a lifelong New Yorker who works in nonprofit, will have to get on the train again. And that's what worries her. She did not get a good look at the attacker. And now she's wondering if it's time to leave the city. That's that's another thing, too. Um, people are going to have to leave the cities because that's where all the that's is where all the turmoil is going to hit. OK, leaving the city is going to be the best thing. All right. 
people who can't leave the city, they're going to have to just learn to protect themselves. Stock up. That's what you're going to have to do. Pray. Make smarter choices. Learn to do without. If your person likes to go to clubs, I'm sorry. That's out of the question now. Clubbing is out of the question. You're going to have to find something else to occupy your time. Find a hobby that's going to um, maximize your survival. Nothing wrong with having fun, but you have to find ways, different ways of doing it. Learn how to build things. You know, mindsets are going to have to change. This is about survival. Okay? A lot of women are being, you know, attacked on subway trains. People are going to have to learn to arm themselves and protect themselves now. It's not a game anymore. Like I said, it's war. It is war. All right. Done for now. If you uh, want to uh, check me out on Instagram, Hard Talk Radio 79. Uh, you can look in my description box where else you can check me out. And don't feel afraid to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Share the video. Share it. As I bring to you more hard-hitting content. This is Hard Talk Radio. Later. Like, share, comment, and subscribe.